But if you're under contract and you've bit off a huge commitment, I see people burning out, working too hard, and even though they're making a lot of money, which that was their goal, they're not happy. Welcome back to That Vet Life. Work-life balance is a term that has existed for years. However, the definition as it stands has been highly unattainable. Today's guest, Dr. Gary Marshall, challenges this term by introducing a new idea of work-life symbiosis. Dr. Marshall is an experienced veterinarian who has a passion for mentorship and helping those around him. If you're in the VetX community, you will recognize him as one of our Thrive Mentors. Listen along as Dr. Marshall and I define symbiosis as it stands in today's veterinary profession. We ask the questions of how do we define symbiosis? How do we teach veterinary students and new grads to establish this in their careers? And of course, no conversation with Dr. Marshall would be complete without spending some time on how symbiosis is closely tied to mentorship. So let's jump into it. I'm really excited to have you back on the show. It's been, I don't even know how long. I think it was like, what, beginning of pandemic or earlier? Yeah, beginning of pandemic, we were doing Quarant Talk. Yeah. Yes. Oh, remember those episodes? <laughs> I think we were hoping to do one of these, like at Symposium, Sam yeah. Symposium in Ithaca. Oh, that's all. right came crashing down and we were scared to be next to each other and all that stuff. <laughs> That's so. right. We were like, symposium, but what about the pandemic? Now symposium's canceled. Then what do we do? I don't know. We figured it out. But one thing that I feel like both of us have definitely picked up and we're a little bit more vocal about is this whole idea of work-life balance versus work-life symbiosis. And I feel like whenever anybody posts about it, we're, both of us slide into the comments, <laughs> we're like, symbiosis, hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love that word. And I love that we're hearing it come up a little bit more. Because I think we've all from 10 different angles, everybody has kind of debunked the phrase, even though we know kind of what it means and what it feels like, but the actual phrase and terminology of balance, it's just never going to happen. Yeah, the work life balance, as the definition says, does not exist, which is why you and I so strongly feel about this word symbiosis. So if you could define what symbiosis means, I think that'd be a good place to start. Yeah, to me, the really, really easy definition is that all those aspects work better because of each other. So that means that you're going to have a better life, if we call it that part as opposed to work, because of your work. And you're going to enjoy work more if you have a, a great and enriched and happy life outside of work. So how do we do that? And certainly if you can't say that about your current situation, it's not always going to be there, but I think it's something to work for. If you get up in the morning and you say, I am so excited to go to work, to see my patients, to talk to this one particular client, to see my coworkers and see how you know their weekend was, then that's great. And you can't wait to get home to, for whatever the heck it is. If it's, you know, dinner with your partner or to watch, uh, you know, your favorite Netflix show or to go on a run or whatever it is, but you're not so exhausted that you can't function at all at the end of the day, then I think that's a kind of a little bit of a picture of what I would say symbiosis looks like. 
And it's just more attainable than trying to say that things are going to perfectly balance all the time. And even if you say, oh, no, no, it can't perfectly balance all the time. It's going to tip towards one way or then the other other days. It's like that's not even attainable, quite honestly. And it's why you have to focus more on a definition of symbiosis. And I think that works really well. We think of symbiosis in other areas of like the natural environment of um, like two ecosystems that work together to benefit each other. And this is it's very similar. It's just you have your work bubble and then the everything else bubble Mm -hmm. is life, I guess, which the longer that I'm in the profession, the more I'm like, I don't know if I even like that separation because there's just so many different microcosms. And I feel like I'm getting into the weeds, though, if I start to do that. So yeah. I guess it's where I pull myself back and be like, OK, what does like the work and the life and the symbiosis between the two mean? And I think it's good to also at least make reference to that symbiosis doesn't have to mean that everything is happy and just smiles on your face all the time because that symbiosis could literally mean that I hate work, but I'm going to do this one thing instead of this other thing because it's going to pay me enough to take care of my kids, to feed my family, to buy the car that I want for my life part of it. And I know that that's a sacrifice for this other part. So it's still symbiosis because it's making the other thing better. Does it go both ways? Eh, maybe not in all those situations, but there's certainly aspects that you just have to think to make my life better. I need a job that has more time off. I need a job that pays me more money, even if it's not as fun. Um, those types of things, you can make those decisions in kind of that, if you're calculating that payoff a little bit. We're kind of removing that toxic positivity mindset that people sometimes attach to it to be like, well, nothing can be perfect all the time. Exactly. It's like, no, no, it can't. And the more you accept that and understand that is part of living, quite honestly, the easier this will be and the more attainable it, it will become. So that's a like a good roundup of like what is the symbiosis that we're always ratting on about in the Instagram uh, comments. But what does that actually look like in the now of veterinary medicine? Because granted, even compared to two and a half years ago, I feel like the definition of symbiosis looks different in our lives. Yeah, that's a really tough question because it probably looks a little bit different for everybody. And so as long as people are kind of asking that question, um, how's this working for me? I think you can start to say this is either, you know, this is either working or it's not working. This does fit the scenario or it doesn't. And one of the things that you brought up as far as, you know, trying not to add too many layers to it, I think that is something that is happening today that didn't happen before. You know, when I was starting out a long time ago and even up to, you know, 10, 15 years ago or even more recent, it was, I've got a job and I got my life and I'm going to go to school to be able to do this job and I'm going to start this job and then I'm just going to continue doing that job uh, until, you know, something else in my life forces me to move away or whatever. I get another opportunity that, you know, looks better. And I think today... I think you're a perfect example is that job that you went to school to be able to do is way more multi-layered now because you want to work because you've worked hard to do this and you like practicing, but you like talking to people. You like putting out a podcast. And if you're working six days a week, you're not going to have any energy. You're not going to have the passion. You're not going to have any way to organize to put on the podcast, which is helpful to others, which is helpful to you, which is your passion, which 
gives you quality life may not be the financial part of it there compared to what you have to do to be able to have time to and energy to do it. So, and I think that, I don't know if I want to say the, you know, millennials versus baby boomers versus Gen X type thing, but that today, I think a, I, probably in multiple professions, the work week is, you know, I want to cram my 30 plus hours into as short a time as I can so I can go do these other things that I'm really excited about. And that you're, you know, hustling and making side money on other gigs too, or building a brand or those types of things. And that really looks different today. And I don't, I don't know if it's the internet. I don't know if it's genetics. I don't know if it's privilege and free time. I don't know what it is, but it's really, that's new. That's your world so much more than mine ever was up until recently. It is such a huge generational shift. Like you said, like we really don't know what's caused it. I know for one thing that is probably having social media and internet accessibility to people outside of your town, outside of your state, outside of your country, for heaven's sakes, that has provided so many more opportunities. And even if those opportunities existed 10, 15 years ago, we didn't have the accessibility to know about them. Correct. And nowadays, we're like, as soon as you land in vet school and you get an Instagram or some kind of TikTok, like social media account, I feel like you're inundated with all these different types of opportunities and possibilities. And you and I were talking about not too long ago about how like a lot of things like we just you don't know how many opportunities are out there until someone just sits down and talks to you about it. Mm-hmm. And then you, the wheels start going and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I can do more than just be a vet. And as soon as you realize that, the doors just fly open. And that's where so many of my friends, like myself, we have a ton of things that are happening outside of our day-to-day jobs as veterinarians. And I think it's really cool, but I don't know where it's going to take us in this profession. I know right now we're already seeing that shift of trying to be able to do multiple things in the course of a week. I'm trying to think, like, where do you see this all going? I was talking with Molly McAllister at VLC. We had lunch together and we were talking about just that sort of that very question because as the CMO of Banfield, it's like, you need some workers, right? I mean, you need good veterinarians to fill all the shifts, to take care of all the pets because they have, it's just tons and tons. And I told her that I think that whether it's now or whether it's in the near future, you're going to need two vets to fill the typical full-time equivalent. We're just gonna have to suck it up. And as a profession say, this is what seems like it's going to make everybody as well-rounded, what people want to do. And they work so hard during that time. Maybe, you know, I do know some people that have, have had more energy and have changed their four day a week shift to a three day a week shift. And it has not affected their production at all. And so I think HR and just our expectations of what a career looks like just getting out of school is going to have to shift. Now, there's going to be some people that want to work more, and that's great. But the standard, I think, is going to be less, not because of all my other baby boomers and stuff that say, you know, they just can't work hard enough and they want to go home and do other stuff and whatever. It's because people have multiple passions. They want to do two different things instead of just one. And I think we'll all be better for it. And it might allow more people to stay in the field and be excited about it and you know, take care of our patients and our clients better than when we're totally burnt out from 
whatever it is, 40, 60 hours a week. And I think that that mindset has to shift for those that are that are hiring and trying to fill tons and tons of veterinary positions. Now, just before we get on with the show, a quick word from our sponsor, which is the Thrive community from us here at Venex. If you're struggling with managing time, feeling like you're an imposter or burning out, then you need to make a change. The good news is you are not broken. You're not a bad fit for the profession. Much more likely you are missing some super important foundational skills no one is teaching at university. Skills that you will learn as part of our VetEx community. The Thrive Community is a race accredited professional skills course where members receive training, toolkits and one-to-one coaching to develop these skills. So join hundreds of other vets who've changed their careers for the better as a Thrive member. To learn more and find out if the class is a good fit for you, visit vetexinternational.com today. Now back to the show. So I hope you enjoyed part one. Now we're going to get back to part two of that Vet Life podcast. Over to you, Mo. And I remember something we were talking about at VLC in Tunisia was the Dr. Parker was the one who brought it up where with these shifts that we're having in the profession with people wanting to work fewer hours so that they can do other things to one degree, it's almost like a cancel culture where we shift really, really, really far to one end being like the big argument of like generation versus generation and no one wants to work and no one works hard enough. And then we'll kind of shift back the other way. And then we'll kind of like bounce back and forth until we kind of find some sort of median. But the thing that honestly makes me so excited just to hear people talk about, you know what? Yeah, sure. Maybe the newer vets don't want to work the same number of hours that the previous generations wanted to, but they're filling those hours with other things. It's not like we're going to work for these short number of hours, going home and sitting on the couch and watching Netflix for the rest of the time. Usually what we're doing is we're going home and we're turning right around on our heels and going to volunteer with something, or we're going to work on that other business, or we're going to help our partner with something. And that type of diversity, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about how it's going to make our profession better. We're going to be more well-rounded, better balanced, have a better understanding about our clients, honestly, because we'll be interacting with them outside of our immediate jobs. And to that effect, I think it will make veterinary medicine better, whatever the definition of better ends up being. Yeah. And I think that comes back to that talk about symbiosis is if we allow people to do what fulfills them the most and give them the freedom and the time. And therefore, if they have the time, they probably have the energy. They're going to be better for us the rest of the time in the workspace and whatever that workspace is. And it doesn't have to just be clinical medicine. It can be certainly a lot of other things, teaching, you know, industry, research, whatever it looks like. Because there's a lot of people in all those venues that put in way too many hours and get burnt out and say, screw it, I'm not doing this anymore. And they leave the field as opposed to just change. But if we allow people to, you know, get their feet wet in a lot of different avenues of that, they may decrease their time in one aspect of their work, but they'll probably get a doing that so they can increase it someplace else. And I think that's how we we get innovation. I think that's how we you know, just branch out into lots of things that we don't even know are there yet in veterinary medicine. Absolutely. It makes me really excited about where this profession is going, just that we're able to have these conversations about, hey, what is happening? 
on the scale of these new veterinarians coming into the profession and going to places like VLC, which is a veterinary leadership conference, that just lit like a whole new fire for me. I was like, this honestly, like the tagline was the future is bright. And at first you're like, that's a little cheesy. (laughs) But then you leave and you're like, actually, no, it is. It truly is. (laughs) Yeah. So... (laughs) I was really excited after leaving that and it made me more excited about mentorship and circling back around this whole idea of symbiosis, then how do we mentor these veterinary students and these new career graduates and how to establish symbiosis since it's not really a a well-known, it's not a well-used term. I feel like we're probably the only two that really use it, but (laughs) maybe not after this podcast. Hey, Mel uses Um, it too. Hey, there we go. Mel uses it. (laughs) So three of us. Yay. (laughs) The shakers and the movers of the profession. Here we go. But how do we teach these young vets how to establish a symbiosis? And like, when does that start for them? I feel like, I don't know, for me, I'm thinking about like, how do we introduce this in vet schools? But then also, like as a mentor for you, like how do you teach your mentees about this idea of symbiosis and how to establish it? So a lot of questions in one sentence. I apologize. And that's go. okay. I'll just go where I go and it, it <laughs> we'll find our way back to the beginning, maybe. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think that's good. And I think I'm gonna need your input on this because I'm only seeing it from one aspect of it is the old timer that is seeing changes and seeing new people come into the field and asking questions and having them think that this is going to be perfect and then they get into it for a short period of time and then it's it's not as fulfilling and i think and you can help me tell me if this is full of it or not is that i think there's still this picture of i'm going to be a veterinarian i've been filling out or filling up my student loans i've been putting in all this time and i'm going to get out and i'm going to hit payday and i'm finally going to be getting the money that I deserve, that I've worked hard for, and I need to pay off my student loans. And I think that the priority of when you're looking at comparisons between opportunities, I think there's both peer pressure from your colleagues, uh, student colleagues, as well as just the profession of, you know, I'm going to make 100K, I'm going to make 120K, that's going to be my base coming out. And so I hit the big time. As opposed to thinking through what's my day-to-day going to be. I know what it's been like in vet school. What do I want that to be? Do I want to be somewhere doing an ER shift where I can work 12 shifts a month and be just dog tired at the end of them, but I'm taking a bunch of money home and then I've got all this other free time? Or do I want to have you know time to think about raising a family? Or do I want to make sure that I'm in this community and take that money part of it lower on that priority list and making it all fit together instead of just grabbing that one thing and expecting everything else will be good too. I see a lot of veterinarians coming out, taking these big contracts, which is what everybody and all their peer pressure and their vet school classmates are striving for a lot. And now they're they're in such high demand that they can pen a really high high production value, a high base salary. And, and they, they have to work for that though. I mean, with production numbers and they're going to be told, it's like, well, you're not really meeting this production, even though we said you could have it. And so they have to work really, really hard and it might not fit in with the rest of their lifestyle that they're expecting. When I get out of vet school and I can 
have all these other things where I'm not studying all the time. So I have free time. I can spend with my partner. We can have whatever else going on, but they just get so swamped in their clinical practice that even though they're making tons of money, they are not happy and they're not satisfied. And that symbiosis goes out the window. And so I think if we flip some of those priorities, as far as this is the location I want to be in, this is the amount of time that I want to work. And this is the amount of money I can live off of and start there. Cause there's always room to go up, right? We can always make more money. We can always shift our priorities as time goes by. But if you're under contract and you've bid off a huge commitment, I see people burning out, working too hard. And even though they're making a lot of money, which that was their goal, they're not happy. I'd just like to see that script flipped a little bit. What do you think about that? Did you see that as any aspect of yours? There's a lot to unpack in that. So I think that the first thing that you hit on were was like, what are our expectations as graduates when we come out of vet school? And I know for myself, I had like a two or three year plan. And then after that, I was like, okay, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna see where these next two to three years take me. And then I'm gonna see if new opportunities arise, or if I have new interests that I want to pursue after that. But those first two or three years, I was really focused on, okay, I need a good base salary so I can start chopping off of these student loans that are weighing me down. That was a huge part of it. I was like, okay, you know what, I'm not going for an internship. A, because I'm searching out really good mentorship. And I was like, yeah, I found it. But on the flip side, I didn't really have too much of a a plan past that. I knew at my life stage and and what I was able to offer, I was going to try and spend as many hours in the clinic as possible. And that's something that mm, that's a it's a tricky one to balance because you know that you need to spend a lot of hours in the clinic, maybe after your shift, like scrubbing into that random enterotomy or that splenectomy that walks through the door just so that you can learn from it. Granted, the flip side and the cost of that Mm -hmm. is that you are exhausted by the end of the day. You still have all your own lab work and your own callbacks to do. And you just turn around and you do the same thing the next day. So that's not wrong. That's not bad. If if you enjoy that and it's exciting to you, then pursue that. Do that. You're going to learn a ton. And it may be a means to an end, right? That you just have to, like you said, I got to do this for a few years and then we'll see what happens. And that's totally legit. Exactly. Like, you know, there's a purpose in doing it. But I will say there is some pressure from, um, I know some people have had like pressure from upper vets or older vets to be like, yeah, these younger vets just aren't willing to stay past Mm -hmm. the hours. They're just not willing to take those extra shifts. And part of that is because they don't want to be tired. They want to do these other things that they have commitments and they've set priorities for in their life. So you can't do that. So from going back to like for myself and what I saw a lot of my colleagues doing, when you get out of vet school, like you have a rather short focus in what you're looking at. You really, at least for myself, I was looking at those first two years. I was looking at where I was living. I was looking at how much I was going to make. I was looking at whether or not the people that I worked with were going to make coming to work fun or not. But beyond that, I didn't really have too much of a of a plan. And I think you also hit on the second point would be that these guys are burning out. These vets are burning out because they are taking on too much. They're being encouraged slash pushed to take on almost too much that they're not necessarily skilled at enough to be on their own, if that makes sense. They're not getting enough mentorship. So I think that's 
that's another big topic to talk about there. And I thought of two things while you're talking, and we'll see if I can <laughs> remember both of them while I say this. And I think one of them you you hit on was that staying late training, doing extra stuff, you know, just being there to pay off those bills and all that. And I think there is a there's almost like an inverse relationship between training, more training, mentorship, and probably money. Because if you think of an internship, the perfect situation for an internship is somebody that's getting out of school. They are, you know, giving up what, 70 grand so they can get more experience than they feel like they had at that school because they're going to be paid, you know, 30 or 40 grand as opposed to what they can make a full-time first year out in practice. If you look at that that scale, whereas, you know, the top end coming out, that if we taught new grads that that if you look at that really, really high dollar value, it probably means you're going to get thrown to the wolves and you're going to have to earn that and you're going to have to do 15 minute appointments to be able to, for them to say, this person is worth it, as opposed to making a little bit less, maybe not internship less in private practice to be someplace where you, you can say, and maybe you don't say this to them, but you look at the numbers and you say, I'm willing to take less because this so-and-so at this clinic has said they'll have me come in and you know be able to scrub in and see these other surgeries, or they'll allow me to do these communication modules, or they'll allow me to work on the, you know, whatever, work on the website for the practice because I want to get better at, you know, branding and marketing and those types of things. But there's going to be a cost associated with that. And if you know that going in, I think it's, it's a payoff that you're, you know, possibly willing to take. Now, do you know all those things going in? No. And do you want, obviously you want the most money you can get for what you're doing, but I just wish there was a way that we could evaluate how much that paycheck is going to cost that first year versus if you commit to less, you can always make more with production if that's how it goes, but you're not required to. And I think, I don't know if this was the other point or not, but you said, you know, the goal of, I don't know what I want to do. And I do, I want to spend more time to learn more and be there and that kind of stuff. And I don't know if today it feels like the payoff is as well is as good for those types of things. So, you know, for me back then, it was like, you get out, you're going to own a practice. I mean, that's just what you were told you're supposed to do and everybody's going to do it. No, not everybody did it. Not everybody wanted to do it. But if that was your goal, that eye on that prize, it's going to be different in what you put in to be able to show that you're, you know, worthy to be able to purchase that practice for a payoff 30 years down the road. And now that type of a payoff, as far as, you know, this place, everybody, you know, there's a new person coming and going every few weeks. There's, um, I don't know who owns it because they're offsite and the manager doesn't really care if I have skills or not. They just care if I'm there and I can, you know, give vaccines to stuff. Now that's a huge extreme, but I think the perspective of what am I going to get out of this? Because somebody's investing in you and there's a payoff of, you know, clinic ownership that's going to pay off in a different way. I don't think people are looking at that anymore. And that's totally fine because it's it's not very possible. So I think the landscape, like you said, a two to three year thing, I think is, you know, that might even be longer than people put out there now. Whereas mine was, 
was a 20 year plan as far as being able to buy a clinic and be able to survive through that clinic where I'm raising children and, you know, getting them off to college and all that kind of stuff. And then what do I do? Do you agree that nobody's thinking that way anymore? No, I agree. I, and part of that is because like, let's look at the landscape of what kind of practices are available. Mm-hmm. None Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to practice ownership, which none is an extreme, but like the amount of corporates that have bought up practices you are like for myself, I would be hard pressed to find a you, good you practice to buy. Like I would not be able to compete. No, I do not have multi-million dollars that I can just dump into a practice. I'm still scraping together to try to pay off my loans. So practice ownership is not a core or at least a main focus for new graduates at this point. Honestly, we're just trying to get out oh, and maybe this is overreaching, but most of us are just trying to get out and pay off our loans and figure out what the heck we're doing. Because a lot of us are, we've been told, hey, you're going to be a vet and you're going to graduate. And that's what you're going to do for the next 30 years is you're going to see vaccines, you're going to do surgery, and that's that. And now, like going back to this whole access um, and, and, and the internet type of thing, we're being told, hey, yeah, you can be a vet, but if you have an interest in this other area, hey, go pursue it. You can do that and still be a veterinarian. Like sure. the amount of opportunities that are out there are, it's much more diverse than, hey, you can be a practice owner, go for it. Yeah. And I certainly don't want to leave everybody in a downer type situation because there's the unicorn practices out there and we, we've all seen them. We've probably been in them and and it's something to strive for. But if we're looking at why people are not content, I think it's time, money, and we can look at this concept of autonomy. You know, there's, we see a lot Mm of, gosh, the trend. I can't wait till we see some numbers on that on associate veterinarians that are becoming relief vets. And I think some of that is that autonomy. It's like, I don't like where this is going. I never know exactly what the situation is going to be. So I'm just going to be my own boss. And that's, that feeling of autonomy is something we, is everybody strives for and everybody tells you that this is something you deserve and you want. I think today, for me, this is the Gary Marshall equation. I don't know if it works for anybody else, but the ability to feel the most comfortable with the autonomy that you deserve and you want is, I think, very, very proportional to the amount of mastery that you have in whatever it is you're doing, whether it's veterinary medicine, whether it's painting, whether it's accounting, whatever. And I think that there's so many that managers, owners, bosses, that there's so much demand for you know care of pets. And there's, there's all this that when veterinarians come out, they're expected to be the veterinarian and be autonomous and take care of all their patients and not ask me how to do anything. And I don't have time to tell you anyway, so you've got it. You can do this. But there hasn't been that time that is investment in mentorship, investment in training when they get out, investment in introducing to clients and meeting them and building those, helping them build those relationships that builds that mastery before we tell them, just go do it. If I was going to leave people with anything today, it would be to focus on mastery, be really, really, really good at something. Hopefully it's the thing you love to do, because if you're really good at the thing you love to do and you get better at it all the time, then that's golden. And then autonomy is easy and you'll be in that position where people are really craving your skills, 
craving your time, craving your mentorship. That's a really, really great place to be. And that's something that people can't take away from you, you know, in any sense, if you work really hard to get good at something. If we were to have to like end the episode at this moment, I think that would have perfectly wrapped everything up <laughs> just because like touching on this fact of um, autonomy and mastery and mentorship, that little trifecta is something that I want to go a little bit deeper in. So I think we should do that for the bonus content. So everyone, I want, I want to invite everyone to go jump over there after this episode so we can really dive into that because that I feel is a big missing link. It's not the only missing link in everything that's going on, but it is a big missing link in the burnout level that we have in the new veterinarians um, in this profession and just leading to the overall satisfaction because I'll add the little research tip in here or a bit in here that we know that people who are involved in some form of mentorship, they have a better job satisfaction and are, are more likely to stay in their current job and have a better overall mental health, honestly. So whoop, that's as backed by research. So that's why you should be a mentor. And I'll end on that. I do want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. I feel that we did round up pretty well in talking about this whole idea of symbiosis. And we started just being like, oh, it's not work-life balance. It's actually symbiosis. But the more that we talk about it and the deeper that we go, the more that we realize it doesn't just have to do with our own personal work in life. It has to do with how it interacts with our community around us. And that's where we segued into this whole mentorship side where like, we know that we need the people around us in order to have good job satisfaction and just be happy with what we're doing. So we're going to jump into a bonus content on this topic here. But before we go to that, Gary, if you could tell us who you are, what you're doing um, here in VEDEX International, or maybe in the grander scheme of things, and where to find you. This has been really fun. It's always fun to talk to you, Mariah. And I'm, I'm really thrilled that you have this platform and that it involves VEDEX now. And I've known Dave Nickel for a long time, just as you know me, just the typical nosy and curious nature that I had when he did his first, first presentations, uh, first CE in America. I happened to be there, fortunately. And asked him out for a drink and we went out to dinner and we, we just had a good time and, and we've been friends ever since. And now I'm on his mentorship team for North America for students in uh, the VEDEX Thrive community. And, and I'd love to see everybody there monthly. We have mentoring sessions and they're free. You've just got to log in if you're part of that Thrive community. And I'm doing a few other things, but I don't know. Do you think people... <laughs> <laughs> we can, we, nobody wants to hear about any of the other stuff I'm doing. In talking but, about work-life symbiosis, oh we're God. definitely talking to someone who has multiple plates spinning. It's up to you how many you want to share. But I mean, you can share about your Instagram that you got there. So my Instagram is, it might get weird. So periods between the words. And that's the only social media I really do anymore. I, I don't have the intellect to juggle multiple social media accounts at one time. <laughs> what? No TikTok? You do not want to see me on TikTok. <laughs> so that's a place I really have fun and I enjoy meeting people and connecting with people. And yeah, that work-life symbiosis, that is, I will have to admit that I have committed to too many things that I really, really enjoy as far as with our state vet med association with the AVMA House of Delegates. Wivaldi, the Women's Veterinary Leadership Development Initiative with being adjunct faculty for Washington State University. I love those things, 
but I'm getting old and tired and I really feel like I'm not doing them all well. And so I am in that boat where I want to work less in the clinic so I can do these other things better and with more energy. So that's something, you know, if we talk again next year, uh, hopefully that will have changed and I'll be in a better symbiotic relationship with all my activities (laughs) and my work and my life. So yeah, it might get weird on Instagram. Find me there and connect. Sounds awesome. We'll put all that information in the show notes for you guys to go and check it out. And definitely go and join the Thrive community. That's where you can have access to these monthly mentorship meetings, which you do not want to miss out on. Gary is a wealth of information when it comes to these topics. So um, yes, find all that information in the show notes. But otherwise, guys, I invite you to go over and jump on to the bonus content that we are about to record. So Gary, thank you so much for joining me again today. But until next time, y'all, see ya. And that's a wrap on today's episode of That Vet Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, before you go, I have a quick request. Now, podcasts and communities, they grow the best and they grow the biggest when the members spread the word. So if you know someone who you think needs to hear this episode, or if you found value in this episode and want to share it, go ahead and share this with your friends. And also, don't forget to head over to vedexinternational.com and enroll in the VEDEX community for free to get access to a bonus version of this show. You'll also get some free swag and many, many other amazing benefits. Also, leaving a review of the show on iTunes would be greatly appreciated because, again, it just helps get the word out. But until next time, y'all, I hope you enjoyed this episode of That Bet Life.